Join us as we open another file in the Markov dossier. File Sigma Michelangelo 1202712. File open. Good evening, Pilgrims. It's Sam here from the Markov Dossier, and we have a bit of a special you tonight because tonight I am joined by the one, the only, Stuart McInnes from War Cradle. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and we thought it would be an excellent time, given that it is uh, Dystopian Wars' six-month mark, and we've had all the wonderful new oil bats coming out and lots of little sneak previews of what's coming out. A good time. To to get 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 over it and see if we can squeeze any secrets out of out of Stuart. Uh, probably not, <laughs> but I'll try. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Okay. Um, so let's start. I mean, it's been an incredible six months from the hell that was twenty twenty to launching this in February. I can only imagine it has been busy as hell at War Cradle Studios. Uh, how has it been? How's it gone for you these last six months of you working with this? Yeah, no, it's been it's been nice to finally finally see it all all out there. There's an incredible amount of work uh, that goes on behind the scenes. I know that for some people, I'm sure it's uh, you know War Cradle gets the license for something and then does nothing for three years and then obviously just just pulls a game out of thin air. Um, really, making a game, particularly a game from a almost a standing start um, is complicated. Uh, anybody that's done any kind of um, game game design, um, even like just like personal hobby projects or whatever, knows how many hours you can sort of sink into something um, to kind of bring it to life. But obviously once you're dealing with uh, any kind of company where you've got multiple staff, um, I mean, you know, War Cradle itself has probably in the region of about 35, 40 people uh, involved in all the various various parts and uh, and areas you know and areas that uh, that make up bringing something like Dystopian Wars out there. And um, you know, obviously, you've got all those parts. Hello, all those parts to kind of spin up and um, and get involved in. In, in producing it but also in order to with things like plastics plastics have such a long lead time um, i mean if i think about you know from a kind of a, a simple concept all the way up to where we are with a plastic release i mean there are thousands of man hours going to into producing something like that um and some parts of it are incredibly um yeah exact and precise with regard to um you know carving into these aluminium and steel blocks and you know grinding these things overnight and oh it, it's it's a real the engineering is is in many ways is as impressive as the um is as the artistry and the sort of the design work so we've had all of that uh we've also you know war cradle as a company we've gone from being a company that made a, you know, skirmish game miniatures and you know, sculpting people uh, and our artists sculpting people in resin, which is where we were with Wild West Exodus. I mean, Wild West Exodus was um, a game that we we took on and then we kind of expanded. But really, um, plastics 
isn't or wasn't a big part of Wild West Exodus. It was more of a kind of a resin. And making anything in resin is it's not simple, but it's it's fairly it's fairly straightforward. Pretty much, you know, a man or a woman in a shed can make resin miniatures. So um, the any company that produces models in resin. It, it is not yes there's degrees of artistry involved but the actual process uh, is it's not a particularly complicated one uh, it's not a million miles removed from um, as a kid when you make your plaster of paris or your or even you know making like uh, jellies in the you know, in the fridge kind of thing it, it's not that much more complicated uh, you can make it more complicated and, um, and you know, the clever bods that we've got in our manufacturing process have a really kind of a more laboratory level way of doing resin miniatures involving all sorts of pressures and vacuums and all, all manner of things but but the fundamental engineering involved in resin production is, is relatively straightforward and sculpting uh, when i first went into gaming when i grew up with gaming obviously you know, miniatures are all metal and sometimes you get some plastic stuff and sort of resin came along uh, really resin is is as a as a kind of a an easy to work with material for an artist resin is amazing you can do almost anything with resin it just depends on how many millions of pieces you want it to be in and, and so forth and um, but you know depending on your, your resin consistency you can make resin tough or you can make resin very very brittle it can hold incredible amounts of detail or it can it can be kind of fairly fairly soft um rubbery and, and lacking detail there's all sorts of chemistry stuff you can do with it which is interesting um but the the gold standard in the hobby has always been plastic so these three years where uh, from the outside it appeared nothing was happening uh war cradle used time with the pandemic with things kind of all getting locked down and being very difficult with staffing levels and development and things we used it to send whole parts of our team to school for a better word into labs and training and things and we've created uh, and fast-tracked our entire plastics division and that's enabled us to dystopian wars essentially when we were working with dystopian wars originally the idea was it would be resin and that we would probably bring some plastics in down the line and it was our intention that maybe firestorm would be the first because we look at our release schedule firestorm would be the first game to go into plastic but um obviously covid arrived and disrupted everything and we lost a year maybe a year and a half in terms of getting things out there but we didn't do we didn't sit idly for a year and a half what we did was we doubled down and said we worked on these plastic so dystopian wars being almost entirely plastic is a massive feat the miniatures and things that we launched the game with when we first when we first um, sort of started to demo it and showcase it were resin and they were designed to be resin we reworked everything and um, to be plastic and i think um the quality of what you're seeing um i mean particularly uh, the, the union stuff that's just just coming out that the detail level on some of that stuff is and the engineering on how they all go together is you know really really impressive what the uh, what the teams the various teams have done 
and those I didn't notice looking at the instructions and the screws that you've got yeah. for that. I thought these are a step up. Yeah. <laughs> these are definitely a step up from the previous ones. Yeah, even the frigates have got separate little guns. I'm like, these yeah. are cool. <laughs> yeah, the the teams are getting. Um, not that there's you know there's nothing wrong with any of the plastic yeah. that we've released. I mean, I think from the from the get, I mean, our initial plastics never you know have never been released because they they were effectively learning and developing but the uh, they even the earlier or the first few releases for the, um, for the plastics for dystopian wars were already at the level where um the gaming community expected multi-part plastic kits to be and we've just grown and you know kind of developed from there by the time i mean i'm seeing uh, at the moment we're working on the second lot of union uh, so the the current union ones but there's a the union support stuff is just going into um uh, the machine now for production um and so i mean we tend to work about six months in advance um and that that gap is growing as we um I mean, it's interesting um that's a whole other topic but yeah there's the for dystopian wars we're about six months in advance in terms of where we are with the machining um and we're about 18 months in advance where we are with the with the design work and we're about two years in advance where we are with the sort of concept stuff so at the moment roberto uh, and the concept guys and girls are throwing stuff around um it's like oh this would be nice for um the egyptians and this would be interesting for you know you, for all yeah. the yeah for for factions that are you know india and australia and stuff that is definitely coming down the pipe for the game but is probably not you know you will see sky ships for the for the core nations um in the in the in the eight factions before you start to see too many naval units um uh, you know uh, so bavarian airships you're less yeah. likely to see stuff for them um before you've already seen a whole bunch of stuff for the prussians for example and, and yeah and so, on. so yeah that's 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 where we are but it's been a it's been a wild uh, wild three years um and certainly the last six months have been just fantastic seeing all of that hard work for three years now starting to be realized and uh, and released in there there's there's almost two versions of dystopian wars uh, there's the version when we launched um you had you had some kind of got classic gamers who had a whole bunch of stuff and you know, maybe had a little frustration that the game that was out there at launch was not the all singing all dancing dystopian wars that they had enjoyed That's in an earlier edition but yeah because because they were looking at dystopian wars at the end of its yeah. second edition and second edition had kind of various little sub iterations uh, with the ill-fated 2.5 being the last gasp of it but second edition kind of stretched over a few years and it had a whole range of stuff that came out for it obviously going into third edition there was slightly unreasonably i guess but there was there was an expectation that from the gate third edition would be everything that second edition was plus but the reality is the third edition and um, reboot it's not an extension yeah, yeah and and um, unfortunately because of the kind of the chaotic way that we inherited stuff and the 
and the quality that we inherited in a lot of ways um it, it's been a hard fought hard earned three years um uh, but third edition rapidly over these six months as we've started to kind of double down on the initial factions and we're now expanding rapidly the game is now moving from as i say there's two versions of the game there's the one that exists out there released and there's the version that kind of is the um you have yet to see my final form kind of thing it's the it's the version that exists within the studio which is the sky ships and the giant you know the giant walkers and the all, all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff that's that's there and um, we within six months we've gone from nothing to well already where we've got battleships all the way through to aircraft carriers the ice maiden is on the way now we've had the first glimpse i've seen the plastics for the first couple of um uh, colossus or colossi for the game so and all of that will be so by the end of this year um there is not only have we got all of the core um ships and, and what have you the you know we've got proper fully functional um, lists out for six of the eight factions but we'll also have moved on to some of the really weird and wonderful stuff for some of the factions and that's that's very exciting that's where the game starts to feel less like um a kind of a, a more traditional naval yeah, game. yeah the weird um, aspect of the dystopian yeah. starts playing in um for the last six months obviously we've been as players we've been giving you all this feedback about the all bats and you have responded magnificently to that updating them regularly putting new rules in when we've play tested them and said maybe this could work better and you don't get that with every game company you, the feedback and the instant reaction we've got from you and the new batch of all bats that you've released they're, they're incredible i'm still finding little nuggets of wonderful through them as i'm going as i'm trying to go through them all um so thank you so much for all that hard because that's not it you, you do develop in your game but oh they're complex they want this okay on, let's play test that for a bit and then yeah that works <laughs> so that's not an easy task we've we've uh, been asking of you i know that um yeah, so what i'd like to do now is have a say, some, sorry I, I would say that it, you know in terms of the all about work and the efforts because i mean yes i am the kind of the face for a lot of this stuff um and um you only have to ask my um my other half of, and, and my kids i do spend a, a, an inordinate amount of time um outside of kind of the normal nine to six kind of thing doing doing stuff but there is a to support my kind of my own you know passion and drive on it there is a huge number of people that um kind of work around and through and with me um you know alongside me to to create this stuff so from people like um john in the design studio who's a head graphic designer who does a lot of the um the visual and also the kind of the the, the spreadsheet connectivity and stuff and um, so the cards that you see is you know a huge amount of that is um is john and his team but mainly john uh, puts in huge amounts of hours you know running new versions because the cards uh, the unit cards are run um so sort of procedurally from a very very complex spreadsheet and uh, with all the various data tables and things in it and um, then you have uh, the likes of chris 
um, Chris in the studio, Chris Pond, who does a phenomenal amount of work um, in not only kind of supporting me and everything I do, but in in running that kind of connectivity between the stuff that I'm shooting the breeze with and the and the reality of then having it, you know, making sure there's consistency between the Orbats and the unit cards, for example. I've got Chris yeah, Lawson. Hold all those numbers in your head. I'm so jealous. Well, I mean, Chris put about 20, 20, 30 man hours just on spreadsheets, making cross-referencing between those and the um, and the Orbat making sure because I'm, unfortunately the nature of it is is that the Orbats are maintained as sort of separate documents um, and the spreadsheet is a combined table of data and the two aren't um aren't completely kind of seamlessly connected to each other so there is a an awful lot of kind of checking cross-checking um to make sure that both are kind of in in parity chris is the guy that oversees and makes sure that happens so let's say you've got those two principal people in the studio are kind of driving just this is just the all bats we're talking about driving those two things i mean yes i write the all bats and, and do the um do the little snippets of backstory and, and whatever else, but um, I can't do any of that. That's just me kind of frothing yeah. away and creating stuff. Um, I can't um, make any of that successfully without people like Chris and John, you know, sewing everything together and um, and making sure that there's something coherent coming out out the other end. And that's it. And that's just the war cradle stuff. We've then got. A whole bunch of play testers around the world. We've got um, proofreaders, believe it or not. Uh, we've got we've got all sorts of people um, who do massive amounts of effort. Um, often, again, uh, well, it's all voluntary, but often uh, we're in wonderful hours. And you know, I'll be I'm used to talking to people at strange hours of the day and um, and working on stuff, and that's fine. But then sometimes you realise that. Oh no! Wait, you're you're also in the UK or whatever. You're on the same time I am. So yeah, it's like one o'clock in the morning, and we're shooting the breeze over um, <laughs> speed values in the game. And it's like, oh no, you're just yeah, you're just as in, you know as committed and, and insane and passionate about this stuff as I am. And yeah, <laughs> that's been that's been yeah really amazing. Um, again, War Cradle wouldn't be where it is without you know the fantastic community that supports it as well. Yeah, I've said it many times. It's the best online community I'm part of in, in gaming by far. I love interacting with everyone on the War Cradle pages. Okay, so what I'd like to talk about now is have a little dip into the Orbats and some of the cool stuff that I've found in there. And I'm going to start with the Commonwealth because it's what comes in the two-player box. And I think the big thing for me is the update to the cryo generators it's now an offensive weapon it's a very offensive weapon <laughs> now that's sick i can't wait to shoot somebody with that it's the weapon we get on the dark oh, it's the box art now because the box art shows you shooting that thing in a ship and that's now what we've got and i love it yeah i, I, I yeah. guess it's it's like um if you're gonna go for kind of uh an equivalent would be you know in, in any kind of show any kind of TV series, movies, or whatever, where the hero has a a cool gadget of some kind, and um, you know the so like um, like Iron Man. So I mean, Iron Man's got all yeah. sorts of bits on his suit that 
Um, Iron Man is your is your main hero because his his armor has just as many engineering or um, useful tools and abilities on it as it does have weapon systems. And I think um, a good a good kind of feel for you know oh this is a really amazing bit of kit or amazing bit of tech is that it can it can do all sorts of things. And with the cryo generator, we had something that had the the tool side so yeah you could do you could yeah. disrupt you could disrupt movement you could do this you could do that but it didn't have anything that was particularly if you think about it the it's a um the cryo weapon and um, in the background by the way just so you a bit of pseudoscience for it but it it doesn't fire beams of cold or anything it's um it's actually an atomic retarder for one of the better word it, it drains um the kind of the the energy between um between atoms which obviously makes things colder um yeah in that you've sat and thought about how does this actually work this that's why we've actually thought does this work scientifically yes it does <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean uh, how it does that is a is a huge level of hand waving and whatever because yeah, that's where the science fiction comes in but yes yeah, it, has, it has generator in the name so it can do all sorts of weird wonderful stuff but fundamentally how it works it's not a cold beam it's not um the um yeah it, it is less effective, um, although obviously the, the blast would, would tell you otherwise, it is less effective on solids than it is on liquids, for example, because it's so it can create these massive icebergs. But what it doesn't, it doesn't immediately encase ships in ice because it doesn't it doesn't make ice. It creates ice out of the sea because it that's what it's doing. It's turning the, the liquid into well into a, into a solid effectively it's 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 draining the energy from the um draining the heat for want of a better word from the um from the water and, it, and it's becoming it's becoming ice when it hits a ship <coughs> it does have a different effect and so when we were coming up with it fundamentally in a in a game you do want to have a big beam of death hitting something and blowing stuff up and so you're right and the, the art we do show it doing that and it made sense for the generator to just have that little bit extra it's iconic for the commonwealth so it felt it felt good to ha uh, for them to have this this very special thing that clone generators aside only the commonwealth can really do uh, i mean obviously you know never say never for the future but um yeah really it's it's iconic for the commonwealth to be able to do it uh, we knew we had various units in various sizes that were going to do it so we've already seen the the battleship and the cruisers or heavy cruisers that will have um these cryo generators but there are other things and we've two more have been um well one has appeared in the orbat and another one has been um concepted in the orbat so you, you know you can see two more things that are coming with the with the cryo cryo generator oh, great. Oh. <laughs> well yeah so the yeah the uh the base station um has the uh yeah has the cryo generator the um uh, um Tobolsk, I think it is. I'm trying to, I've got so many units flying around in my head. Um, the uh, yeah, so there's the there's the, the cryo bastion yeah. has has it. Um, 
and then the uh, marina has it as well which is the um uh colossus that the um the russians have a colossus just a name yet that we can yeah. know because I, I, I saw that and <laughs> it's the it's the uh the uh marina is the uh, yeah is the name of it yeah so it's it is the it is what the commonwealth have created having seen the um teutonic knights um you know colossus and and they've come up with their own with their own thing but uh yes yeah, so that has a cryogenerator um where the head would be um uh, this is interesting. Unlike in um, sort of classic games and stuff, the there are some change. There are some different. So, as, as amazing as the technologies are, some parts of the dystopian age are actually less fantastical than the uh, classic um, Stygian age that, that came before, um, and it, which is. I guess unless you kind of deep dive on these things isn't necessarily so apparent because the dystopian age is, has a slightly more stylized look to it um than um the kind of the, the harder um victorian um stylings that the that the classic game had but the it, it's interesting because the classic game had a very um very specific look to it um but it was interesting because it it wasn't a con oh, to my mind it wasn't a consistent um technology as it were so you would have they they seem to kind of lean in very hard certainly with the initial initial releases with this kind of the uh elseworlds it's pretty much victorian styling so it is very much of its time period that it's set in um and then and and everything is very very primitive or or I mean it's not it's just very kind of crude super sciencey kind of stuff um, which is awesome I mean I, I love the classic dystopian wars but then suddenly you would drop into that like the walking or the statue of liberty on a giant floating platform or the walking castle the windsor and these kind of suddenly these absolutely bonkers fantastical robots and it's like well hang on a second why why is it in that universe why are they going around with what are really not much different kind of um battleships and sailing ships and whatever or steamships should i say and then suddenly they've got the resources and the and the technological wherewithal to create that and it just it the the jump between those two and even in the stylings between the two is just vast yeah. um so the, uh, and again, uh, in part, that was because aesthetically, they didn't, you know, second edition didn't come around from a standing start. And second edition kind of built on all the first edition stuff. And the first edition stuff was very much um, Spartan Games, the, the previous company, was them kind of finding their feet with what they could do. Second edition was probably closer to a more consistent visual. I mean, you look at some of those, uh, some of those older ships, also the second edition ships some of those classic ships and they are much more consistent with the kind of the more fantastical stuff that came later if you just look at second edition and kind of ignore yeah. ignore a lot of the first edition stuff 
um, the game was already kind of moving into a slightly more sort of stylized world. Um, uh, there was much talk of lots of bunting and things on the uh, on the um, Americans and, and all sorts of stuff. And the giant robot, I mean, you have like the giant samurai soldier, which was well, probably more metal in that than there was in like 10 battleships and all sorts of weird and wonderful things were going on. Um, but it was definitely moving into a much more weird space. And um, obviously third edition came along and there is a, a significant step change, but I think consistently because we had the we had the advantage of starting from scratch with the um, with kind of the visuals and the um, and kind of a consistency of technology, so we were able to make some um, rules. Um, so, for example, um, yeah, those so those big things, the um, the big the big things that you might think are robots like the Morena and like the. Uh, the Hockmeister and the Metzger that are coming for the Imperium, um, they're not robots. Uh, in fact, none of the and the dragon for the um, for the Chinese, uh, the Tianlong, they're not robots. They are they are really stylized fighting machines. They have crews on board. They they act and um, you know they're not they're not um, they're not like free willed robots flying around because that's not something mm. that's either sensible or um or the, the the technology and the abilities of the period that they can really do or that they're comfortable doing so the union the biggest thing and you would have seen that in the orbat the biggest thing the biggest automaton that the um union has is the patriot and the patriot is i mean it's still about the size of a uh it's a little bit smaller it's about the size of a frigate so it's still in terms of um, the Exodus level of games, is still absolutely massive. Um, you know, easily the biggest thing you would have on a table. It would be almost the equivalent of, of like a Titan from 40k or something like that. It's, you know, it's a really huge thing. But in terms of dystopian wars and that you know wonderful scale of dystopian wars, automata are you know relatively small things in the game. They're they're, they're not they're not that that you know there's an argument to say if you can make a giant you know if you're a struggling group of scientists um from antarctica and you can make a sort of a giant millipede centipede robot colossus thing that is bigger than a battleship or bigger than two battleships kind of thing well then you why are you worrying about about anything else if you can build if you have the the ability yeah yeah, but if you but if you can build yeah. something like that, then why build anything else? Why you know, build just, a battleship? Yeah, yeah, just just start rolling the um, just start rolling those things out. So yeah, there are you will see a some of the more really fantastical things. Uh, part of the reason why you will see dreadnoughts and battleships and things still have a really really valid place in the dystopian age is because that is still the best platform technologically it's still the best platform to get the most number of guns and armor onto the table is a traditional ship and that will so dreadnought um so the ice maiden is the biggest thing in the game and is likely to remain the biggest thing in the game because within the, the sort of the pseudo science but the limitations that we've we conceived for our world for the for the setting you can't make a ship that big 
the the nations, the great yeah. powers. <laughs> Only could you do that with an iceberg yeah. and prior creek. Yeah. yeah, they can't make anything that big, so there's not going to be. So the the enlightened, for example, aren't going to have something like the ice maiden, um, but but it's just like a giant robot or something because they they just can't. The um, I mean, you hear it here first. The yeah, the Japanese are not going to have a gigantic samurai dreadnought-sized robot. Um, it just—they're just not going to. That's not—that's not to say that there won't be a samurai-styled robot um, in the game at some scale or at some size. But the in terms of um, that kind of um, Power Rangers-esque giant samurai thing that is—is is just absolutely gigantic and looks like a like a huge samurai with a couple of rivets on it that's not going to be that's not going to be in the dystopian age that is a a technological leap too far for the setting where it is um so yeah we have yeah. we have limitations in in that regard there's a there's kind of a a reuse of parts and things with the kits but also even with things that don't reuse parts but we still design them to reuse the part because that would be what the nations would do. They, you know, the, yeah. the the cryo generator on the Borodino is very, 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 very similar to the cryo generator on the Morozco, um, the Katarga, and on the Morena because it's a cryo generator. It has to look a certain way so players can recognise yeah. it on the table. Yeah, those in a pack clean, ship them out and put them on whatever yeah. they need to do. Yeah, exactly, because the, the, the design of the technology requires certain things to be in a certain way. So, yeah, that is the um, that is some of the stuff that you're going to see is that consistency of um, aesthetic of design within the factions. Um, I know some aesthetics and things aren't necessarily to everybody's um, to everybody's enjoyment and there's going to be those arguments about my faction looks better than your faction that's part of the fun um, and that and that's part of it but you will see a consistency within the factions for how things look yeah. The, yeah, the crown stuff is going to look a very particular way and it will always look different to the imperium stuff and uh, and again well, of course you don't want them to homogenize you want to know that's the commonwealth that's the crown that's the union you want to just be able to look at them and know who they who they belong to yeah and that's one of the reasons i love you you can even if you didn't know anything about that game you can look at the union ships and instantly you go these are american aren't they <laughs> you, you wouldn't even need to know it's a fantastic it's a dystopian game or anything like that. you just look at the union ships and go these are definitely american yeah well i'm hoping eventually i mean i know that uh we have an advantage insofar as so i'm I'm, I'm English, um, but, and you know, so we have an advantage where certain tropes and things are probably more easily recognisable for us. But um, the studio, the design team, have worked really hard to kind of make each of the nations fairly authentic to things that they would have had um i mean sometimes it's not going to be a uh, oh yeah i would have thought they would have gone for this inspiration and they haven't or they've um, uh, you know or else they you know the design team have been inspired by something from the classic game and decided to run with that rather than um rather than necessarily lean into like a true historical representation of the visuals that's 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 where 
that's the difference, I guess, between um, the artistic side of things and the the gritty realism or the, yeah, the historical parallels that we're trying to draw. I mean, the dystopian age does have enough hand waving in the setting that we can go a different way with something if we want to make sure that a particular nation or a particular faction visually has something more distinct about it than um, than we would you know than we would have either had before or that historically it was oh well you know historically these guys only used one of these other nations vessels they didn't really make any of their own stuff so they wouldn't have anything and it's like well that's not very interesting um but again i suppose there's also the argue oh not argument there's also the danger though that you you lean too far into what you know easy comfortable tropes so for example and i promise you they're not going to making all the egyptian stuff have look like something out of stargate and having like giant pyramids on it or yeah you know, you, war sticks it's it's and, far, isn't it? yeah it, it just becomes a bit well, okay that's cool and all and you know and i appreciate that they're, they're proud of this out of the other but why 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 would they create <laughs> yeah i mean the the crown loves a bit of um gold lion scrambled egg castle motif kind of thing but it's not yeah. not you know not to the nth degree and that's why some like the windsor from the classic game that giant walking castle at that scale you might see something like that for armored clash but you're not going to see that for dystopian wars because what what why why is like taking all the fun roberto and i have lots of arguments where um, i will say but why why would that be that way he's like yeah, but it looks cool and i'm like yeah it does look cool but, <laughs> but, but why why would they do it that way so yeah but it looks amazing so, yeah it does look amazing but but why um, and yeah and that's where you um yeah that that's where you get a and it's interesting yeah. so something like Yan long so the the dragon so the obviously you had the classic version which was very much a um, kind of a chinese dragon but mm-hmm. but very very mechanical looking like kind of almost like a um, like a toy tin tin uh, tin dragon kind of thing um and then you yeah. uh, and then you look at the the initial draft that roberto did because if you tell a man who's at the you know I mean, the guy that did the um concept work for the plastic bane blade for gw and he designed loads of the colossus for um, war machine and, and so on so he absolutely you know king of his craft kind of thing and you tell him okay i want a mechanical dragon and you you show him some original stuff and he kind of looks at the class and goes yeah okay can see where they were going with that but i think we can do something more interesting and he delivers a draft you're like oh my god that looks amazing but um can we make it like 50 percent more um functional you know can we put more more mechanical parts in it can we you know can we make the the head a little bit more stylized so it, there's clearly windows or there's clearly it's clearly a cockpit in there and, and so on so there's there's definitely a kind of a the the reality and you can't see but bunny earring the reality of well, we're trying to show it, you know, give a sense of scale. Um, so things like the Morena, which has been concepted, but also, you know, the Patriot for the Union, uh, and then, um, you know, the, the various Colossus, so the Tianlong, the Hopmeister and things. 
where things stop being ships, where they stop being kind of recognizable boat things, and we and we we kind of become a little bit untethered from reality and limitations there, we almost double down to make sure that these things have obvious concessions to um, to a, a kind of a fictitious um, engineering and reality within them, just so that there is that consistency across the range. Otherwise, we could just we just put a just just put a dragon on the table and and, and yeah. don't yeah, forget about any kind of attempt to make it look like it's got any technology um, underpinning it because you know it's a model you know at the end of the yeah. day it's a four inch five inch model you can do whatever you like with it yeah you can design it however you want um but because we want to make sure because of the scale of it we want to make sure it looks like it is something that is so much larger um yeah there is a there's a lot of engineering and design work and compromises that go into kind of to do that so things like the cryo generator which we talked about the yes we want to have a star on it because we like stars yeah. and there seems to be a kind of a, a comfort with stars and russia in particular but the commonwealth that's a that is a design element of theirs but if you look at it and you can see oh actually it's an emitter and there's this going on and there's there's these vents and things and and so on and on the marina it's almost like an eye um kind of like a cyclops looking across yeah. Uh, things and yeah so there's there's a there's a lot of engineering and design back and forth that goes on with regard to the, the visuals and a lot of this stuff one of the lovely touches of the design you talk about functional design i was going to bring it up because the patriot you in the drawing you can see that the feet connect together to form a tail wing I do. And I just thought that see you've thought about that. This thing's designed to fly and you've thought about how are we going to make that work? Because obviously it's going to have to lie down, the rotors are going to have to tilt up, and you're going to need some sort of tail wing for it to go. Which means well, when the model comes out, is that going to be sculpted? <laughs> is that going to be one of its poses you can build it in? Yeah, for the the there is a surprising amount of pose as you will see when the um, yeah. when the models come out. There is a surprising amount of posability in the um in the Patriots. Um, but I mean, fundamentally, though, they are kind of a frigatey, destroyery, mass one thing. So there is a there is a limit to something that's about an um, inch and a inch and a bit, inch and a half yeah. um, in length, kind of size to it. Um, it's just over an inch and a half, actually. But yes, there's a limit to to how much posability you're going to get into it. Um, that said, we have yeah. as in as a kit but we have designed it so that if somebody does want to put it in, the parts are all there. You just might have to take a craft knife and you could play around with it to get even more poses out of it. From the get-go, it is designed because it connects to a, um, a, like a ball socket pivot on the flight stand. Um, it is designed, you can have it in virtually a kind of a stand-up or in a kind of a an in-flight horizontal if you wish you can do by, by, by pivoting yeah. it and uh, bringing the legs and the arms kind of more closely together it is in its flight mode or it's in its um, it's not a transformer it doesn't completely no. transform um not in not in the background or the miniature but it does you're right it does have some um you can see where the kind of pseudo feet kind of support struts pop out because again the designers roberto chiefly kind of leading it but um edward in our um who runs our plastics team uh chris myself um you know a whole bunch of people have kind of had feedback in the design and 
fundamentally the it is designed the patriot is because it's a thing for dystopian wars so it does not go on land um, or very much it is primarily for fighting over the water so then the the thing is designed to fight over water so it doesn't need long powerful striding muscular legs kind of thing because why would it it doesn't need legs but it it can yeah it can land and on the montgomery you could land one on the on the um the the repair and um support deck on the montgomery it has a docking little docking platform on the front so you could land you could um, transform as it were and land a patriot on there and have it kind of being worked on or repaired or what have you that's entirely you know for the modeler that that is something you could do but more often than not I envisage seeing squadrons of these things zipping around the table um, in flight mode with their arms at various angles, you know, blasting away uh, at the enemy. And that's, yeah, we want to make sure that you can, it, it's more about having a little bit of variety, subtle variety with squadrons of these things rather than necessarily being able to uh, go through the, you know, the huge range of poses that, that the thing can do because the reality is it's only in its upright landed mode in certain other situations and scenarios most of which are outside of the scope of a normal game of dystopian wars awesome okay thank you very much um let's see the things talked about the colossus now one of the things i did notice really quite is a lot of submarines uh coming into the into the orbats now obviously that's for probably i'm guessing that's for, you're thinking for a later wave of those we'll have once we've got the surface fleets we'll start getting submariner fleets i'm guessing i'm guessing and some of those have got some very interesting like for example you've got the black wolves black wolf stuff there anastasia and the death bringer you've got your cooler for the for the commonwealth um and others or as well the morgana i think it's yeah. is a sub but you've got the giant squid things which i think are another colossus so that's another level of combat we're going to be bringing into it in the future i'm hoping yes i mean um, you well you, you these submersible side of things yeah um you yeah the so one of the things that uh we're very keen on doing and we have the opportunity to do it um uh, because we're not looking to um one of the, one of the fundamental differences between dystopian wars in its third edition to maybe in its classic is there aren't lots and lots and lots of little factions there yeah. are eight, there are eight factions in the game there will only be eight factions in the game there's not going to be we're not going to release a ninth tenth eleventh faction um there are eight factions and the uh, there are lots of nations within them so almost like a sub faction that's uh, but the yeah but the the idea will be that as time goes on you will see factions start to get releases um yeah they're not in sequence to each other and certain nations are not going to have certain things so for example if you look at the empire um the uh we've been really clear in the back in the background for that faction that certain nations are responsible for certain aspects of warfare um, yes. so you are not going to see um an awful lot of japanese air stuff for example because the japanese don't do 
air, air warfare. That isn't that isn't part of the. It's not that they don't as a as a great power that that the empire doesn't fight in the air. Of course, it has got loads of air power, yeah. but Japan doesn't provide it. So, uh, and what that what you'll end up with is so for players that just want to collect a, a particular nation within a faction, um, fantastic. But you are going to have limitations to your to you know not not insurmountable you're not going to completely hamstring yourself but there are going to be certain things you are not going to get um and conversely the um even certain so for example the um the french won't have a battleship there is no there is no battleship for the french there are no plans for the french to ever get a battleship they have a battle cruiser and they have a dreadnought um the dreadnought is a, a fair way off but they don't the italians have a heavy battleship so certainly for the first while of releases and things if you want to have a a kind of a well-rounded um kind of with every equivalent so everybody's so everybody's submarines everybody's this everybody's that you will the great powers would be a kind of a multi-nation thing because certain great powers wholly rely on particular nations to provide particular things other um other nations like the crown who each of the dominions can do it um presents a kind of a more cohesive whole um but the they don't have so uh, the indian raj for example um they don't have um uh, light uh, like uh, battle cruisers they don't they don't have them and the crown don't do battle cruisers uh, so the uh, the british don't do battle cruisers either but the australians love a bit of the battle cruiser so the different different nations in a faction might have a greater kind of leaning towards because they have their own style of warfare they have their own their own preferences on things and um, whereas um maybe in you know in the classic game you would have probably seen every conceivable type of unit for every one of the nations or at least the plan was going to be eventually um something we're deliberately going in a different way so when we talk about the colossus um so the japanese colossus the uh um kaiju the ike kaiju which is the um, that's that is their colossus there is no other colossus coming for them there is actually the kaiju um, it makes two there, there's another version but we haven't revealed that or seen that very much but and um, there are there are um but that is the big squiddy thing is their colossus so while the while the prussians are striding forward with their hockmeister the japanese are you know are responding with the kaiju there isn't also the giant samurai robot that's effectively exactly like a hockmeister but japanese style that isn't yeah we, we're deliberately giving the factions more distinctiveness so and it does mean that certain equivalents so not every faction not every certainly not every nation but even not every faction is going to get a x um because sometimes we want um we want the we want factions to have so the union have a large colossus type thing the uh as in a you know like a, a, a what we call a vitruvian colossus so a man man-shaped 
um, machine. So the, the Union have one, the Imperium have one in the shape of Prussians, and the Commonwealth have one in the shape of the Russians. Uh, and that's about it. Uh, the British don't. Um, the um, the Japanese don't, the Chinese don't, so the empire doesn't, um, and, and so on. Uh, because we want each faction to have some some kind of their own styling. So, yeah. So the empire are going to have to console themselves with the giant squid robot machine thing, um, which actually is a uh, yeah, which is a phenomenal bit of kit. Um, so the the yeah, you've got that, and and also the Tianlong. Um, so they, the Empire gets two, but neither of them are man-shaped. Uh, neither of them are carrying a battleship-sized samurai sword or anything like that. It's a cool thing, but we just maybe it's a little bit. It's a little bit too on the nose. Although, mind you, having said that, we give the Japanese a big squid and we give the Chinese a big dragon, so they're both pretty on the nose anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, the, um, I'm, maybe, quite, maybe happy with, I'm quite happy with these options. I assure you, because Empire's yeah. only one of mine. I'm looking at those, going, "These are mine." Ah, eventually, yeah. maybe a giant, giant samurai was was a step too far. That's not to say that we're not going to have a big samurai war machine fighting machine type thing but maybe it will be in a different scale in a different game rather than not everything has to be again the other yeah. thing is not, dystopian. Is not every idea is for dystopian wars but there are yeah because it's the dystopian age. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a dystopian age. so we have the opportunity to um roll out certain great ideas cool things but in different games because maybe there are more comfortable logical fit uh elsewhere like i said like the uh, the giant castle with artillery castle for dystopian wars probably works better in armored clash than it does um than it does in um dystopian wars and um, also because the logic of how it works uh, most of dystopian wars takes place in the kind of a slow, fairly deepish water um yeah, so, yeah, how, how do the Colossus that are man-shaped or whatever, how do they operate? I mean, they're not going to go swimming. So either they're flying around in the, you know, in the air like a giant, and that really is a... If you're going to have something that's flying around, it probably doesn't want to look like a man. That seems unnecessary. Um, and they're, Or you have them in the water. And if they're in the water, well, why don't they look like a boat then? And... So we've we've addressed that a little bit with the narrative and the background stuff and the gameplay stuff with the uh, with the Hockmeister and the uh, Metzger and they're actually part of the the appeal for them and part of the the tactical appeal is they can be anywhere so you're not just striding through the water you don't know where they are until they appear they're almost like Godzilla like in that in that regard because okay, oh, no, that was a great me. cartoon when we were kids <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. aside you are um, <laughs> up, up from the depths yeah so you do have yeah. Uh, yeah you will have it's the fact that they can appear really quite far into your into your enemy's engagement area and just start really you know, breaking face that is something that they can do that a battleship can't do so it's like so but both have a yeah, if you want a kind of a consistent fire platform, then put a battleship into play. Um, if you want something that's kind of appears, does 
you know, terrific amounts of damage and then potentially sinks back beneath the waves before appearing somewhere else. Wicked, go for a uh, go for a Colossus then, because they also have a a different role. And for, for the Imperium, both offer tactical choices rather than it just being kind of the same choice, but just in a slightly different shape. Yeah, you want again. You want distinctiveness between your factions and play styles and how it works. So yeah, I totally get this, and I'm loving it. Uh, one of the things I did leave, one le- le- leapt out to me from the crowns uh, orbat was a lord's hood, which I don't think any of the other union uh, factions do this. It's specifically three ships as a specific squadron. Um, the so I think so far unseen saber class. Yep, uh, that's a very distinctive right. thing. The three named ships. I have, I have I have I have one on my desk. So <laughs> I've, I've, seen, I've seen the saber class. The saber class is coming out very very soon. Oh, lovely! So will they be buildable from? Or are we gonna have to buy them? So because there's three of them, and they're built from a crew. I'm just trying to think how they work. You might have to buy them separately, or do you? Or is there going to be enough from the crown release that you can build three cruisers? I don't know. So, <laughs> I'm trying to tease a bit of information out here. What's in the crown box? <laughs> the, crown, the, crown, the crown frontline squadron, um, and yeah. sort of by extension, Britannia, lets you make uh, the Bedivere, the again, I'm just it's literally off the top of my head, uh, the Bedivere, the Lancelot, the Albion. The um, uh, what's the monitor called? The oh, name escapes me. Um, Hang on. <laughs> crown, crown, all that. Where gone? You got your heavy cruiser. You got your cruiser. Your heavy cruiser. Your uh, fast cruiser or light cruiser. I can't remember which way around we went on it. I really should know this stuff. Um, but one of the builds that you get is the um here we are. I've got, I've got a box in front of me. Do, 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 do. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got your uh, oh the um, the bet the bet the better bit monitor. But yes, you've got your Albion cruiser, your uh, better bit monitor, you've got your um the Lancelot, which is the heavy cruiser, which is amazing probably my f- that and the um the lancelot uh, and the saber are probably my favorite in terms of look they just oh. the thing i didn't like about the crown or sorry the the, the kingdom of britannia as the classic game had was the ships were a bit a bit fat um the uh, because they have those kind of the engine nacelles the the the, the yeah, the, 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 those tubes that run along the sides, it does tend to make the ships look quite wide. Um, but the god, yeah, the yeah, the saber and the lancelot are because they've got the length as well. They look awesome. Uh, they're really, really, really cool. A uh, Picton is the light cruiser. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, it lets you. So it lets you make five. There are five different ships that you can make in the five, five different cruisers that you can make in the frontline box. So, Picton, Bedivere, Albion, uh, Lancelot, and Saber. You can make the Saber out of the box as well. Yeah. A Saber, from a modelling point of view, a Saber is basically a uh, visually. It is a. Um, 
Lancelot with a command bridge. So it's got a much larger bridge section. Um, in fact, actually, it shares, in terms of um, components, it shares the bridge with the bridge of the uh, Britannia. So it's... Uh, um, oh, so it's resin yeah. that goes on? Or... Uh, no, it's plastic. Oh, it's plastic. So and the plastic piece that goes on the resin, resin bridge. So, so the Britannia's so bridge is a plastic bridge, yes. Right, it's yeah, yeah. got a... So the command bridge, for want of a better word, the sabre bridge is on the is on the frame, and you would use the sabre bridge as the bridge on the Britannia. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so you can make the you can make the sabre. So you make those five classes out of the box, um, which really does... Yeah, and they look... I mean, if you guys, yeah, if you thought that the Union stuff was nice, wait till you see the crown. The crown is absolutely stunning. Really, really exciting stuff. Really good stuff. You're bringing them out one month after the other. I'm gonna, I know my son wants, my son's changed mind. He did want the Union. Now he's going, oh, no, I want the crown now. I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> so I want the, like, it's going to cost me a fortune. <laughs> This is where when the studio doesn't have complete control over what comes out and when. We just make a lot of stuff. But the um, I must admit the the look of the um, I looked at the release what's coming out um, on advanced order at the end of this month and I'm like, good grief! It's like there's three really brand new but three really really good products and I. I actually don't know which one is going to be the most popular because um, you've got I me. Mean, bear in mind, this is coming out shortly. Um, so you've got the Ice Maiden Battle Fleet, which I mean, that Ice Maiden is as a centerpiece. It is absolutely stunning. The work that's gone into it as well. It is easy. Oh, can I just compliment Daz on his painting of it because I've seen the, the, the photos of it painting. They're gorgeous. Yeah. He's yeah. So no, he's, 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 he is a talented i've known darren for oh, 20 odd years he is a very very talented man in whatever whatever thing he turns his hand to he's very very good at um but yeah so you've got his work on the ice maiden is i mean his work on all of the stuff has been really good but the, the ice maiden he's working on at the moment is really 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 nice um uh, although i do have a bust of um and um, Frazetta that he's supposed to be um, painting for me that he hasn't done for nearly 18 months. COVID aside, Darren, pull your finger out. But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, that aside, um, yeah, the yeah, the, there's some uh, there's some fan, you know fantastic stuff with the Ice Maiden. I can see loads of loads of people wanting it, but then you've also the um, archipelagos and islands set which is for a terrain piece is really good yeah, scatter terrain it's really cool and each each one has got this bags a little detail on it as well on each of the little islands and sandbanks and things so you've got that coming out which i can see where well, everybody will want that for their yeah. for their games and then you've got and then you've got the crown so it is all three in one month and it's like okay and sorry and the union get their frontline squadron box um it yeah. comes out as well so union players going to be expanding i'm like oh, that's just a just if you're a dystopian wars player so you, you talked about six months ago so six months ago if you if you tell oh, six months time this is what's coming out and it's like wow really that's you yeah, know yeah. however however you want to view it that's that's pretty cool that's a pretty cool month of releases 
this is yeah. So he puts on the on the on the lounge. This is if you were going to jump into now is a damn good time to do it because you've got the choice and so much is coming out now. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Oh, I see. Just from an aesthetic point of view, which which one of the of the Ice Maidens loadouts do you prefer? Have you got a, have you got a personal? You look at it and go, that's the one I want. <laughs> Just look, you know, because it's a awesome. Okay, so what aesthetically? Yeah. Um, yeah. See, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, obviously you ask it. Um, you ask it for, for just that for just that reason but um yeah the it's difficult i am very much a rule of call kind of thing i i, I like things to look, look i'm playing a game with if i didn't if i wasn't so bothered about how things looked i would be i, I don't know i'd be playing chess or something like that or just be playing or yeah. draft or something if you want to purely want a strategic game where the aesthetics aren't so actually the aesthetics are important um so while other um i mean the wilhelmina in terms of um sort of like firepower and things is just phenomenal as a uh yeah with all those um with all those cannons and things is an absolute beast on the table but um i uh, if 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 i'm honest i i do like the classic ice maiden so the um yeah, the stand up with the Sternbringers, with the three Sternbringers out the front. I just think it looks, there's something, if anything, I mean, as bizarre as these things are, the um, the Schönheit, the, um, I forget my terrible Prussian, but. I've been um, wondering how to do that as well. I've been, I've, I've had a few goes at it, and I've actually got German relatives. I've actually got an email here to get, how do you say this? I think, I think, I think, I think, but I, I, I might, uh, Sean, uh, yeah, Sean, I, I believe, but I'm sure there are hundreds of German players that are shouting at their speakers at the moment about how I've just murdered their language. But anyway, the, the, um, that, as cool as that is, that is, you know, with the bombards on it, it is, it's more conventional, it's more kind of understandable or recognizable. Uh, you know, as, as much as a iceberg is, um, and the Wilhelmina with its huge number of gun batteries, again, really cool, but possibly a little bit more conventional. Whereas the idea of having basically giant electric guns um, on rail tracks sticking out the front of a uh, iceberg uh, with a yeah. huge airfield sitting on top is just very, very dystopian. Um, so yeah, I would, I would of the three, I would it would be the the standard, the yeah, the classic Ice Maiden would be visually would be the one I would go for. Uh, I, personally, for me, it's the it is the Princess Will. Our guns on it, it's excited Dakar. Not from rules point of view, just from the look of it, it's that could be out of the fog at you, and you're just staring down the barrels of that lot. You're like, I'm dead. <laughs> there is there is a lot of fire. There's a lot of firepower coming out of it. That's that's for sure. I'm sure you saw my post earlier where I, where I adapted a whole lot of Rosie. For, just because, Scott can paint, I can write. We stick to what we're good at. Okay, thanks for that. Right then. So, as far as 
DW, just last couple of questions. Um, Scott specifically wanted me to ask this. With the Ice Maiden box coming, asking, are we going to see a box similar to that for every faction with something enormous in it and screws? With the um, with the proviso that I mentioned that yeah. um, not everyone's going to have a dreadlock. Not everybody. So no, um, the Ice Maiden is going to be the largest single thing. Um, the both the Crown and the Union have some pretty massive um, ships, but nothing that comes close to the yeah. Uh, yeah. to the Iron Maiden. So yes, uh, to answer your question, yes, it is our intention that there will be a one or two centerpieces for every one of the factions, um, not necessarily every nation, um, but for every faction yeah. we'll have one or two centerpieces for the game for sure. Um, I mean, some of them we've already hinted at or revealed so obviously the Mamansk is coming out at some stage um the um american the union and the enterprise i mean they will get something else but the enterprise is actually a really big ship um it is bigger than uh, it is almost if if you didn't have the ice maiden the Enterprise yeah. would be, would be, uh, would be the biggest of the um, biggest of the ships, biggest of the um, of the carriers. Um, the Crown are with the the British with their Victory class are coming up really close behind the Victories. Big, uh, it's it, it's a large ship, um, but um, nothing comes close to the uh, the uh, the Ice Maiden is um, in a category all of its own. Um, yeah. So yes, but not everything will be, a, you know, a, you know a, a, a massive doorstop of a doorstop of an iceberg on the table. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, so we've covered dystopian wars. I we've had a few quiet months for Wild West Exodus. Is what is there anything you can tell us that's on the horizon? <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you anything uh, because okay, all I would all I would say is um, roll out the old expressions of darkest before the dawn and calm before the storm. Um, a poet and didn't know it, uh, but uh, there are there are amazing things coming for Wild West Exodus. I can't talk about any of them. I know. <laughs> <Do that. laughs> one of these days, we have, have to do one of these interviews after we fed you a few pints. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't really drink, so you're 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 in a, Neither do I. Extremely <laughs> bad luck. Um, no, the you will see. Um, if you are a fan of Wild West Exodus, you will see. Um, we are not at the end of the releases for the year. So yes, it's been quiet for the last couple of months. Um, there is stuff coming this year that will uh, um, fans of the game and um, be a great way for people that like dystopian wars and have kind of gotten into the dystopian age through dystopian wars a great jumping on point for them um, if they were interested in um, you know if they were interested in finding out more about Wild West Exodus, 
we yeah. will have some things coming out which will tie in quite nicely to dystopian wars um, for Wildwood's Exodus. And you, um, will, you will see. Thank you. Oh, that's way more than I was expecting to get out of you, so thank you very much. Stuart, thank you so much. I, uh, that's everything I wanted to ask, and you've, you've answered it brilliantly. Thank you so much for your time, and thanks for everything you and everybody at War Cradle does. We so much appreciate it. That's, you've got so many loyal, loyal fans on the, on, on the Facebook pages, and you, you know how what the community's like. So thank you very much, Stuart. I'm going to bid you a good night. I'll let you get to bed so you get to bed at a reasonable hour because it's only Wednesday. We've got no, two days to do. No, thank you very much. Yeah, it's you know it's uh, um, the the feedback, the way it's been received, the way people are engaging with it. Um, it, it absolutely makes it all worthwhile. Um, it, there is, uh, I've said it earlier, but there is a huge, a huge number of people within the studio and without, and the community, the community basically gets the game that they that they deserve. Um, so the the way they've engaged positively and constructively, the way they've kind of supported it through their local. I mean, yeah, we've been in a pandemic, but the sales and you know of dystopian wars have been very very encouraging so i think we've got a very very good future for you know if as long as the community keeps supporting the game in the way that they have and and i can only imagine that will grow as the game grows the dystopian wars so yeah thank you uh, thank you very much it's been an absolute pleasure thank you file sigma michelangelo one two zero two seven zero one two file closed